0: Hey there, listeners. Unfortunately, we had some difficulty with our recording equipment this time around, and therefore, the only audio we got recorded was through laptop microphone. So, it's ambient sound, it's not the greatest quality, but we feel like the discussion was good enough that you'd still probably enjoy it. So, we hope you do. Thanks.
1: What was it doing to him? It's imitating his cells. I think this thing copies its prey. And then hides inside it. What are you saying? Not all of us are human. Could be any of us. I know I'm human.
0: Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to. But it's vulnerable out in the open. It takes us
1: over. Then it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's won. Tell the world. Tell this to everybody wherever they are. Watch the skies everywhere. Keep looking.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. So for this episode, since it is coinciding pretty much with Halloween this year, we decided we would do a scary movie, and it was James's turn to choose, and he chose... The Thing. Yes. Will you give us a rundown of everything we covered?
1: Oh, sure. We've uh, covered the story... And three movies. Will you give us a maybe um, <laughs> a list with the titles? to be more specific, yes. All right, so we have... Actually, uh, we can just kind of roundtable that. Yeah,
0: yeah, sure. So we have the 1939 story, Who Goes There, there by John,
1: John W. Campbell, writing right. as Don
0: A. Stewart. True. True story. And then... The uh,
1: 1951 film, uh, The Thing from Another World. The Thing, parentheses, wow. from Another World. All yeah, right. Word. What? Jeez. Then the 1982 film, The Thing. With and, Kurt Russell. Right. Yes. And... Keith, David, David, Keith. Direct,
0: directed by John Carpenter. <laughs> yes. Correct. And then the 2011 remake slash prequel. prequel. Yeah. Maybe 2010? Which, no, it was 2011. 2011. Oh, okay. Well, and there, there were some other related materials. I almost had time to listen to the BBC audio drama. I did listen to it. Was it good? It was. I will link to it in the show notes. Good. And then uh, The Things, the sequel to the 1982 movie. Right. Right. Posted on Clark's World. Posted on Clark's and World. There was an audio and a print, and I actually listened to the audio. So yeah, I will link to that as well. Was it a full full cast audio or single no, reader? it was just a just a normal narration. So let's go ahead and start with a story. So some vital statistics on it. Oh, did you have something? Else? Uh well, when we get to the movie, I'll, I have some more surprises that I've been digging in the in the depths of the internet. Cool. Some vital statistics on the story. Um, 1939. We mentioned. Yes. And it actually got a retro Hugo in. 2014, I guess, for 1939, I guess, not sure when they're not synced up on the years exactly. I guess they started doing it with a particular year. When did they? Yeah, when did they start going backwards? I'm not sure. I'd have to look oh, it up. Okay. I will put a post or a, a link there to the Hugo's website so anybody can check that out. John W. Campbell actually also got, um, in addition to the retro Hugo for the best novella, he received the best editor short form um, that year for 1939 I think because he was not- a prolific. Um, Editor right. of anthologies as well Cool so. uh, In in the 70s, the Science Fiction Writers Association Voted it one of the finest science fiction novellas ever written Wow That makes me want to move it up my list But we'll get to that later Okay, so there is a Campbell Award a John W. Campbell Award for Best New Sci-Fi Writer Or Best New Writer, I guess And that has previously been won by Barry Longyear huh. Of Enemy Mind fame Wow He and, has his
1: own award, huh? Yep That's pretty rare. And
0: Orson Scott Card and John Scalzi Right on. Yeah. Sounds good stuff. Colin, you had mentioned, or we had discussed, one of the other tidbits about the story and its influence. So maybe you want to talk about that? Uh, A.E. Van Vogt, and I hope I'm pronouncing his last name correctly, Pretty sure. was a writer. And he, it sounded like he'd originally been interested in science fiction, but uh, he became kind of jaded and tired of doing it until he read Who Goes There by John W. Campbell. And then he wrote one science fiction story, which was rejected, and then wrote a second science fiction story and was picked up, and I, I think he continued writing and writing and writing. Yeah, I think he wrote dozens of books, so... Yeah. Well, and in fact, the mm-hmm. very first thing we did, Farewell to the Master. Master, was published in a magazine. The title, uh, the cover story for that magazine happened to be an A.E. Van Vogt, one yep. called Slan. 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 Yep. And that is one I have read, but you guys have not, because you're snarkers. Yes. Actually, the funny thing is, um, we were talking about Harlan Ellison earlier, and there's a sort of a famous... Sci-fi vortex show that used to play on the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, uh, discussing just kind of the nature of sci-fi in science fiction, and Harlan oh. Ellison goes on this famous rant about sci-fi versus science fiction, and how he thinks sci-fi is just kind of a bastardization of of the honorable science fiction. So he says like Independence Day is sci-fi, where Alien is science fiction. Mm. So, but he. So you're talking about sci-fi action at that point? Yeah, but so he he mentioned A.E. Van Vogt hmm during that, and he said, you know, these people, there's lots of people out there who think they're reading science fiction when they're reading Star Trek novels, and they've never read something by (laughs) A.E. Van Vogt or Alfred Bester, and so I decided, well, I'm going to go check out something by A.E. Van Vogt, so I did that, and that was why I read that book, because Harlan Ellison told me to, yes. Okay. But we'll get to that later on, okay? So, in the meantime, the story, I I will give a very, very quick um, plot summary, a polar expedition, Finds an alien, brings it back to camp, and bad stuff happens. Sounds about right. Yep. Yes. Um, Probably pertinent detail is that the alien is a shapeshifter. They don't know this when they first cut it out of the ice, but they kind of have a debate. Should we thaw this thing out? And there's scientists there who want to thaw it out and study it. And other people who think, well, what if there's microbes that could infect us in any way? You know, it's it's not a good idea. So they have a debate and ultimately, of course, decide thaw it yes. and not pay a lot of attention to it while it's thawing I guess uh, um, well there was one guy in the room with his back to it while he was watching cosmic ray counters or something yeah, yeah. it sounded like that's they They just happened to put it in his office um, where he was going to be sitting anyway um, because they're there All for right. some kind of studying magnetism or you know whatever happens down there. maybe they're looking for monopoles yeah. I think this probably predates string theory but I think it was the south polar magnetic <clears throat> expedition does that sound yeah, right I think that's right yeah and there's a secondary expedition yeah, that, right. that they mentioned yeah. as well. not sure there's much else to talk about about the story other than what we thought of it. Well, the, I think one of the important things to talk about the story is the tension that develops. Yeah. So in, instead of this being, oh, there's a bad, there, there's a bad monster and we're all going to, to gang together up against it and go kill it, the monster is impersonating people. And so you don't know if the guy that you're sitting next to that you haven't right. seen all day long, because right. you didn't meet at the library to go walking or running today, <laughs> uh, is really the person that they appear to be. Oh, and... Uh, I guess there's some telepathy involved, because the monster not only right. looks like you, but has the ability to know your thoughts and your emotions, so he can right. mimic you perfectly. That's kind of one of the initial <clears throat> signs that something, something bad is going to happen. When they talk about how they're having nightmares, yeah. several of them are having nightmares, and, and they're, when they're talking about the micros or viruses or anything crossing over that alien-human boundary, one of them says, the only thing that's going to spread to us is nightmares. So, which I thought was a good line. And so the the tension is: yeah, Do you yeah, know yeah. the person you're sitting next to? How do you trust them? But you're living at the South Pole with no resources, and no. so how can you not trust them? Because it's not like you can go down the street and do right. something else. Probably worth mentioning also that they figure that the craft that they find is something like 20 million years old. Right. And so they're kind of they know that this is this is not the start of an alien invasion. They're they're likely not going to encounter more of these creatures. But there is the one, and because it has that capacity to kind of infinitely subdivide itself and mimic things, mm-hmm. um, one is enough to take over the planet. Yes, in theory. So, yeah, then then they have to figure out how do we detect who is who, who is real. And they come up with this idea of a serum test, a blood serum test, where they're going to generate a human immune dog. And so they start injecting it with human blood in order to get to get it to create antibodies. So then they can take... I'm not even sure exactly how it works. So they can basically test human blood, and see if it reacts, that's human. If it doesn't, it's a monster. Right. right. Which, of course, doesn't really work. Failed. Yeah. But they came up with a second test, and this one works better. Well, yeah, but that's, that's the, the interesting part, is is after that test fails, and I guess we're spoiling the whole story. We, we always spoil everything. Yes. Um, when that test fails, they realize two people contributed blood for the experiment, and so at least one of them had to be an alien. Oh, for the serum test, yeah. the original serum test. Yeah, and so that's why they have to throw it out. But And at some point, then the doctor just cracks up because he realizes, oh, there's another possibility. It might not be just one of us. It could be both. And he kind of goes crazy, and they end up having to sedate him. Yeah. And McCready walks in, bronze god that he is. <laughs> bronze god, bronze beard. Yes. Bronze skin. And
1: I wonder if... Bronze everything. Bronze <laughs> everything.
0: So, so I actually searched through the book, and there's <clears throat> 14 occurrences... Talking about McCready and his bronzeness. His bronze skin and his bronze hair and he stood there That's like awesome. a bronze god and a bronze statue. And I wonder if <laughs> James was wondering today, like, did this guy have a serious man crush on somebody or was he did he swing the other way and he had somebody in particular in mind? I, I don't know. Um but it was a it was a strange he definitely had a man crush on McCready. So Oh yeah, totally. That's what it seems like anyways. Yeah, so that test fails, and then they go with pretty much the same test that we get in the 1982 film, where they realize that any little corpuscle of the of the thing would react and try to protect itself. So right. if they draw blood from everybody and hit it with a hot wire, it should should react. Right. right. Human blood will just sit there and smoke. Alien blood's going to run away screaming for mommy. Right. Yep. And then they have to figure out how to how to deal with that. And they make a make- makeshift weapon, which is pretty cool. Right?
1: Yes. I'll, I'll let one of you guys interject what it is. Oh sure. Um, was it something like an elect- electrified pitchfork, basically? Yep, yes. <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, hook it up to the generator. Yes, and,
0: that was rad. Yeah, with spikes on it. Yeah, so it was cool. Um, yeah, I, I think that's pretty much as far as I need to go with that. We don't have to give away the whole ending of the story. Well, no. it's, it's got an uplifting ending. I think you can say that. Does it? <laughs> dot dot dot. Dun dun dun. Uh, yeah, they think that they've defeated it. They <clears> think <throat> they have defeated yeah. it. Yes. Anything else to talk about about the
1: story? You want to talk about impressions. I like the story. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, like Colin said, I think he did a really good job of building that tension, the paranoia across the whole camp, and keeping it there.
0: Yeah, I. Yeah. So, I read it, and I, I didn't read it in one sitting, which was probably a mistake, mm-hmm. because then as I picked it up, the story just seemed a little fractured to me. Oh, and there were yeah. a couple of kind of awkward transitions. Yeah, that. Like when yeah. they when they were when they were doing the serum test, they were um injecting the blood into the dogs, and somebody asked, you know, how long is this gonna take? And he said something like five days. And then literally, okay. two sentences later they're, five later, they're they're doing the test. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With no apparent kind of break. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just I reread the story over the weekend mm-hmm. and I noticed that. Yeah. And um, well, you know, yeah. for one line of white space, you could indicate a break in time. Right. And I thought I thought, well, yeah. maybe it's Again, right. this is a, the version that we have in this real future book that we've, right. we've been drawing on, but I found a site that had a PDF of it, w- which I just looked at to see if it was the same, and it is the same. So mm-hmm. um, it was not just a particular formatting thing for this right. version.
1: Also, to the number of characters, uh, like you were saying, lends itself to being read and ace-sitting, so you can kind of maintain. So that. you can keep track of who's who. Yeah. Well, that's much. Keep. I don't know if you're meant to keep track of who's who. Sure. Because I think it. I. This is just. Uh, a guess on my part, I suppose. A hypothesis mm-hmm. is that he included enough characters in there to keep you guessing, yeah, to maintain that tension and paranoia. Sure. Because if you don't know who the character is, it, you're reading you're reading characters who don't know who the, each character is, and yeah. everything's kind of mysterious and the unknown is you know very paranoia. Creating, it's kind of causing, it's kind of tough to connect right? with
0: the characters if you don't know who they are though.
1: So that's yeah. But the only one you really need to connect with is McCready, and we all know he's the Bronze Guy. Yeah, you connect you know. with.
0: <laughs> yeah in
1: my opinion the only one you really need to connect with is mccready the story is kind of about him it totally is yeah and that i that became apparent by drowning him and all these other if you notice not a, not every other character was def- really described well except mccready
0: right and, and you know the skin. fact is this is a novella
1: right you're not going to get tons of character development in a novella No, Right, but you got tons of characters,
0: which I think is the point. The Wikipedia article mentions there are 30, you know, we're told several times there are 37 people mentioned. And when they mentioned it twice, I figured there was something important we were supposed to pick up on. Like, they would do a count, and they would be down to 36, so they know somebody was lost. Or they would come up with 38, Hmm. and they would be trying to figure out who the extra guy was. Did that ever pay off? No, it didn't. Okay. Um, Because I remember them mentioning 34. Oh, maybe I have the wrong number. number. But, but the Wikipedia article says that only 17 characters are mentioned by name, and right. only three people are given a first name. Everyone else is just, right. you know, there's what's McCready's first name? No idea. No idea? <laughs> mm-hmm. And Kenner, and Copper, mm-hmm. and yep. Jer, and Gary. Mm-hmm. Commander is his first name. Commander. All right? Commando. I'm going to close this window because of the train. <laughs> <laughs> it totally got a waveform in there. <laughs> Sweet. Right in yep. the conversation. That's yeah, an interesting tidbit. Great. I didn't I didn't notice that, that that there's not many last names, but that reads true in the nineteen eighty two film as well. Yeah, I didn't know if that was just convention, but I, I agree with James. Where not knowing who all the characters are and having so many characters you have to keep track of uh, does kind of lend to this. Well, who
1: who was he? <clears throat> Has he shown up before? What did he do? Right, and th- that right. kind of is sucks you in because it, she... it's hard to be able to know who who just. Popped out of nowhere if you don't actually know what everybody is in the mm. first place, right? To me, it took away from the readability. So, mm. so
0: I understand what you're saying, and I get it. I'm yeah. just not not sure that it was worth the confusion. So, but we can disagree on about that. Otherwise, mm. it wouldn't be any fun. Sure, right? I can be wrong. Of course, you can. Do you have that? Is it recording right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh it says he could be wrong. Oh, I, I did a little bit of math about the 14 <laughs> uses of bronze. Oh yeah, yes. about McCready. And and uh, <laughs> I checked how many words are in this story it turns out that 2% of the words are bronze, bronze. in connection with MacReady. There, there are also a couple it's other iron. uses of bronze. Like, it's a bronze ice axe that's in the alien's head. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which kind of lends itself to the idea that the scientists say, well, it's dead. It's got but an it's... ice axe stuck in its head. Yeah. Why don't we it's it? has got my how many people in people actually died system.
1: <laughs> in the book, the story, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. I know what
0: you're talking about. <laughs> Embedded in its nervous system. Correct. That's
1: the correct Gimli line. Yeah. Um... I think there was, I think he's, I thought he said in the, in the end, towards the end of the novel, that either 14 people died or 14 people survived. 14 people died after they did the test. But
0: there, I think right, there were a couple deaths it. before
1: then. No, and yeah, uh, there, there must have been. But I was just thinking, you said 14 mentions of bronze. So I'm thinking 14 people died after the <laughs> yeah. test. Somebody Lots goes in and kills in the
0: guy who's <laughs> singing and praying loudly. And it just happens that he was an <laughs> alien. <laughs> it reminded me of uh, The Naked Gun Two and a Half Fortuitous yes. Fortunus. Um, when, when he's getting, yeah. when Frank Drebin. Les Nielsen is being honored for his 1,000th drug dealer kill. He (laughs) said, technically the last one I backed over with my car. Or, last two. Fortunately, they turned out to be drug dealers. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, and didn't an alien kill an alien in that? Conant killed Kinner? Was it Conant who did that? I thought it was.
1: Hmm. Yeah, Because they were talking about someone
0: proved themselves being human by killing what turned out to be an alien. Right, and it's a good ploy, right? To uh, make it look like you're the enemy of your enemy. Yes, so. Because if any of them survive, you win. Yes. True. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good story. And I reread it because cause I wanted to make sure I, I was giving it a fair shake, and I don't think I was um, because I didn't have the time. Did you reread to it in it. one sitting? I didn't in one sitting, but I read it in one Slugger. day. So, And and I only stopped when there was an actual, like, chapter. So, movie then, 1951. Yes, I think we should move on to that. Uh, we should note that James was the only person who had ever seen The Thing from Another World.
1: Yeah. Wow. I I think so,
0: right? I haven't seen it, no. You want to talk about that?
1: Sure. Uh, So we got The Thing from Another World, released in 1951. Yes. In theaters, countrywide, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It might be worth mentioning. This one was released in the same year as
0: The Day the Earth Stood Still, but it was released earlier in the year. I think it was released in April. Okay. Right. And this is the first, as far as I can tell, the first alien monster movie, like alien invasion with a monster Movie wow. that was ever made. This is? Yeah.
1: Oh, I'm kidding.
0: And so, The Day of the Earth Stood Still is an alien invasion movie as well, after a manner, but. Yeah. It's more the benevolent alien,
1: right? Yeah. Although Gort is moody. They are there to lay down right. the law, not to take over the, the entire planet. Sure. So, not really related. an invasion. It's more of a, hey, we're here and don't mess up. It's yeah.
0: we we'll um What I found interesting was the, you know, in the movie,
1: sorry, mm-hmm. I'm taking this over for some reason. Why, okay. why don't you talk a little bit about they go out and find the alien in the ice. Actually, right. they find a giant ship first, so, right? I guess th- this would be where
0: we need to talk about to what extent <laughs> is this movie an adaptation of the story? Because mm. it's not very much. Yeah, not too much. It's on the
1: wrong pole. They do have an alien in a It's a polar expedition. Screen. It's the wrong pole. We should just start with the likenesses first because sure. there's a lot less of those. Yeah. yeah. Like an alien in a block. Alien in a vice bus. Yes. Check. That's on about a, on the it. Polar expedition. Yeah, uh, the alien sure. gets out. Alien gets out. Uh, bad stuff happens.
0: The scientists want to study yeah. it.
1: That one, that one is... Scientists still want to study it. Yep. Yeah. It does end up still killing things. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, yeah, it's... Oh no, it does end up dying.
0: Yes. Uh... Via electricity. Via electricity.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. Via it's... electricity and the awesome freaking pickaxe toss. <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah, so other than that, though, it it really adapts very little of the story. Yeah, It's not yeah. a shapeshifter. Right. No. It takes humans and it consume, It uses blood to reproduce itself. Yes. And right. not just humans, right? It drains a dog, too.
1: It D- drains a right. dog, oh,
0: too. Oh, see, there's there's another similarity, right? It, it gets attacked by the dogs. Yeah. That, that's right. one of the, the early True. incidents that happens in, in both the story and the right. first movie. Um but, yeah, it is set at the wrong pole, and, and it, it was cracking me up because I'm from Alaska, I'm from Anchorage, and, and the first scene of the movie is in Anchorage, and it's completely snowed in, and which means it's it's the dead of winter. It's not like that all the time in Anchorage. Mm-hmm. And this guy, and I don't even remember his name, gets an assignment to fly up to the North Pole, right? And so they fly up to the North Pole, and right. it's sunny, which seems unlikely <laughs> in the dead of winter. Um, it could be, There could be a few hours of daylight. Um, but, but only um, a few. Yeah. And, yeah, they go to the North Pole, which there's no land at the North Pole like there is at the South Pole. So that's a little Uh, less likely. There's plenty of ice. Um, But they even mention mountains and that kind of stuff, which I haven't checked a map recently, but I don't think there's a lot of mountains in the Arctic Sea. Probably have degrees on that one. Yeah. So major divergence is that the ship crashes basically during the events of the movie yeah that's the reason for them going up
1: right that's why they're going up there yeah, they, yeah. they they saw the or detected it crashing like I think they detected a ma- magnetic
0: anomaly or something, yeah,
1: and so they kind of keep that
0: in there the magnetic right. idea um they of course don't go with the same shape as uh in the story in the story, it, it talks about the shape of the ship and it's not a saucer flamethrower. So, and I don't know if that was just the zeitgeist of the time was, well, aliens come in flying Some saucers. Flying saucers. Yeah, because they totally do... You know, they, the to, they
1: totally so. turned it into, like, a military movie, too. Right? Yeah, and the main characters are Hedge military. Had your boys in green there. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so, um, other, other differences. Mm-hmm. We mentioned yeah. it's not a shapeshifter. The, the alien is plant-based. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's a plant. It's a giant... See, they should just... Terrible they carrot. They should just eaten it. Evil down Brussels down. sprout. Yeah. Well, and it didn't even respond well to roasting, which in my experience, vegetables are good roasted.
1: Oh, yeah. True. Yeah. Caramelize those sugars. Mm -hmm. You know what they should have done is just toss a bucket of melted cheese on it.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes. That would have gotten it. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That would have made it all much better. (laughs) Ah, To serve
0: aliens. (laughs) Um, Well, why don't we talk about stuff? Let's, Let's talk about, let's focus on the positive for the movie. I think we did. No. It's a good movie. Well, so Where's interestingly it? enough, it's 89% fresh at Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. It was inducted it's, yeah, it's into the National Film Re- Film Registry in 2001. Mm-hmm. It's uh, quite influential. It was very influential. Yeah. It
1: made $2 million in the box office, mm-hmm. which isn't bad at all. That's yeah. like $50 million gajillion now.
0: Yeah, prorated. Right.
1: Uh, yeah.
0: What else? Oh, it was the first movie where a stuntman was immolated. Right. Yeah, and that's a good right. scene. Yeah, So that was a good one. Uh, it stars everyone's favorite marshal from Gunsmoke, Matt Dillon, James Arness. <laughs> right. I kept looking at him going, I should know who he is. Yeah. James Arness, what is that name? So I looked him up on Wikipedia and I'm like, you know, baseball. Him. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean it's a I feel like it's a good movie. It's well made ish. Mm-hmm. Um, a real highlight of it to me is the dialogue. The, oh, the, yeah. it's very witty, it's it's really well done. That's the what actors I like do too. a really yeah. nice job. And you had a lot of real kind of schlocky science fiction movies back then,
1: right.
0: where, where the dialogue is just mailed in. And The Fly, <laughs> The Fly was one of those ones where I felt like the dialogue didn't feel real to me. Yes. where with this That's one, because they're a Canadian. That could be, yeah. Um, but in this one, one thing that the director did was he had conversations going on in layers. He would have people in the background talking about something, and you could hear right. it but not necessarily understand it while there was an important conversation going on in the foreground. And so it felt like real people talking. And didn't they also like overlap one another? Yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're talking right over each other, so Which they were delivering one right. set of lines, and then someone would deliver that. A sounds familiar, set of lines. doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah sure. We does. would never ever talk like no, that, that in worry. our pod. Definitely. yeah, sure. <laughs> um, uh, I will also credit it for good female characters. There, there were that was another divergence from the book. No my. female characters. No, no ladies yeah. in the in the book, right? No. Where in this one, there's two, and I don't remember the names of the actresses, but the the main the Attractive lady, in the movie, um, I thought she was really good, and and she kind of played a good kind of tough woman. And she's even she's like busting the guy's balls about yeah. an affair that they had had, and, and she ties <laughs> yes. him up at some point. Um, it was kind of it was yeah it was a little a little lazy. risque for nineteen fifty one yeah yeah.
1: Um,
0: I also appreciated though that you had this this good looking lady in here who's established as kind of the love interest, and never once does she scream. So, it, oh, it, it completely yeah. blew that that science fiction trope out of the water. Right, no nice. screen machine. Kind of the shrinking violet thing. Maybe that's something that creeps in over time. Yeah, but I mean, 1951, when we have The Day the Earth Stood Still and there's some quality yeah, screening going on. that's, that's true. We have a screen true. machine there. For yeah. sure. Well, and like, uh, like The Day the Earth Stood Still, um, so there, here's another Wikipedia quote. It says, um, it took advantage of the skepticism about science and negative view of scientists who meddle with things better left alone. Because, again, right, we're talking right after the invention of the nuclear bomb. Sure. The atomic Mm -hmm. bomb. Yeah. Yeah, and so I kind of understand. And this is, I I give the movie a break for not having a shapeshifter. I think they could have pulled it off by never showing any shapeshifting because the book doesn't actually talk about any shapeshifting that happens except for the guy who died. Who who was who was killed in his room, and he, like, one of his legs was like a dog leg or something. Didn't somebody get electrocuted or burnt, and then like started reacting once they got? Yeah, so like it becomes this this you know scaly claw. Yeah, you could be right, but but yeah, that's it. Everything Mm -hmm. every time else, you don't see transformations. Yeah, which Mister Carpenter takes advantage of. Right, and so I get why they didn't do the transformations, and and you know because the budget, it would it would end 1951 effects. What are you going to do? I mean. They did the fly, and that was 1960. I can't remember when that was. 1950 something.
1: Yeah,
0: I should know. Go back and listen to our episode, "Pretty Fly for a White Guy." Then you'd know, you find we'll, out. We'll tell you in there. Um, but so yeah, I kind of get why they didn't do it, and so I'm okay with the direction they went. It's just it makes it so it really diverges from the book because it's not any more a paranoid thing like the 1982, the thing. It's Jaws. Yeah. Essentially. Right. It's it's a monster that's trying to break in. And there's some great scenes when they open the door and it's right there. Yeah. It's really cool, but... And then they throw the kerosene on it and hit it with a flare or something, uh, which is... It was a cool scene. Well, and he runs outside into the snow. Yeah. And yeah. So he probably
1: peeled off a few leaves and was just fine.
0: Yeah. And that's another right? thing that's not not to <laughs> correct, because he's not hurt in right. any way by the flames. Yeah. And he gets an arm torn off by the dogs, and that's that's when the scientists take it in and look at it and, and notice and that it's...
1: grows another one.
0: It's plant-based. Maybe. Right. So, and there were some some uh, there were some discussions of evolution in there, which I thought that might also be somewhat racy by nineteen fifty one standards. I'm not sure. You guys can't see me nodding sagely with the, Seth's last comment. Okay, so I I definitely recommend the movie. I, I thought it was good, and it's it's a classic. It's worth seeing.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: but it left a lot <laughs> unadapted, and so to me, the idea <laughs> of you're going to make a remake of a film or readapt something, it's really great for you if the previous one left a lot on the table for you. Sure. And so John Carpenter picks up... I mean, he, he loved the movie. I, I saw interviews with him. He loved right. the original one, and he didn't want to remake it. He he realized it wasn't very close to the source. I'm going to go a little closer to the source and make something awesome. Yes.
1: yes. Which I agree with. I think that's the way to do it. Yeah. No. Not so much rebooting a movie. Just go back to the original story and see what you can do there. Sure. Um... Which he did for the
0: positive. So we should mention, uh, I I had seen this movie, at least most of it, maybe off television. I'm not sure. I remember it being scarier than it was this time <laughs> when we watched it. Yes. But I think part of that was I already knew it was coming.
1: Well, and, and you and were with us.
0: And I was with you guys, and, and you let me sit near not Okay, okay so so nightmare test? Any nightmares? No nightmares. <laughs> falling <problems. laughs> asleep? No. <laughs> zombie dreams? No zombie dreams, even. Uh, well, well, then. Well, then. Yeah. We All must right.
1: have we must have him immunized. We've made right? him, yeah, <laughs> his serum is now
0: horror proof. Yeah. Well okay, and we'll talk about more on the But the serum the didn't
1: one. work. Oh no.
0: <laughs> so no, I think it was uh it was just that I was prepared for the, the tensest scenes in there, like the blood test and the and the <laughs> CBR right. scene. Oh. Um so Colin, why don't you take this one away? So The Thing was made and released in 1982. The director was John Carpenter. Yes. It stars uh, more stars than I will be able to list off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Kurt Russell, who had worked with John Carpenter three times before this movie. Keith David. Yes. Keith David. Who, who previously was in They Live, which we also covered. Also in, yeah. Well, actually he was in They Live after that. After yeah, I'm that was after I'm sorry. Previously yeah. in, in our, in <laughs> our timeline. <laughs> yeah, in our timeline. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, there was The Doctor from St. Elsewhere. There's the you know character actor who was the dog handler. Right. Uh, Wilfred Brimley. Wilfred Brimley was in and there the as Blair, name. the scientist. I picked the dog because it wasn't a dog. It was a wolf. Which it was, is a, hybrid wolf. Wolf. It was yeah. a hybrid wolf. It was a hybrid wolf, yes. Donald Moffat, who was Donald Commander Moffett. Gary, who was pretty well-traveled. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the budget was $15 million. It made $19 million at the box office. Something of a flop. Nice. Something of a flop. In fact, um, Wait, when you read... That's a flop? I, I, it made back $4 million. But,
1: yeah.
0: yeah, well, yeah, but it wasn't a blockbuster. Oh, sure. In fact, in the, in the Wikipedia article, John Carpenter says that he feels worse about that movie than almost any other movie in his career because if it had yeah. been a blockbuster, he thought he would have had a different career from that point forward. Sure, uh, but again, mm-hmm. it's it's a cult favorite. It is, yeah, right. It's 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 gotten much more well regarded in subsequent years. Yeah, right. And part of that is, I think, due to the practical effects and how good they were. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, if we're going to talk about highlights, They're awesome. those effects are just breathtaking. Yeah. Um, there's one thing that I wanted to talk about that I think I mentioned to James, or maybe I mentioned to you, I don't know. The, the famous scene where the one guy has cardiac arrest... And, yeah. and, and, oh, yeah. and, and Dr. Copper tries to, <laughs> to hit him with the paddles, and the chest opens up and bites his arms off. Oh, I thought the chest caved in and bit his arms off. Yeah, it, in it, case, it caves yeah. in and then grows fangs and, and, and bites his arms off. Um, I saw a thing on YouTube, and I'll, I'll, I'll put links to all the videos that I found on, in the show notes, but to the effects guy, who just, he looked like a kid in a candy store when he's talking about it. Oh, yeah. They found a guy who's, who was missing most of his forearms from an industrial accident. And they made a mask of Dr. Copper and had him put that on. And then they put these gelatin arms on, on the guy with no arms. And they, oh, they, they, the arms were made of gelatin awesome. and painted to look like real arms. And they had wax bones in them uh-huh. and veins and stuff. And so, you know, it's kind of a... It, I think they ended up having to shoot it more than once. But, and it right. takes hours to set up for it. Oh, sure. Because you also have the guy on the table who his head oh, is cool. really there, but then he's under the table. And then there's a big mechanism there for his chest. But so yeah, so they had the actual actor stick his arms down into the cavity, and then they cut and had the other guy put the the gelatin arms in, and then the action happened and it tore them right. off. And
1: that was cool because you could see as he was pulling up this his skin stretching as it's tearing yeah. apart. <laughs> and and when you, if you watch it really closely, you kind of go, oh yeah, that looks a little rubbery. But yeah. it's such a cool effect. It I is, mean, yeah. It all looks kind of remember, It's 1982's Practical Effects. Come on. So we it. watched part of the, the documentary for it, the right. hour-long documentary. I think we only watched about 20
0: minutes of it. But the guy they found to do uh-huh. the special effects was kind of a no-name. Yeah.
1: He had this idea yeah. about doing special effects for the thing, and John Carpenter said, hey, go storyboard and show me what you got, kid. Yeah, um, I thought the storyboards were actually really cool. Yeah. The and a lot of it came, came out in really the movie. I mean, the upside-down yeah. head. Uh, you know, with the uh, chitter like, legs, yeah, with yeah. the spider yeah. legs, you know, kind of the,
0: the, almost the opposite of the chest burster from Alien. Instead of stuff coming out yeah, of the chest, it right. went in. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, just great stuff here and there. Yeah, yeah, and the only place I I feel like the effects aren't as good is kind of at the end. There's some stop motion effects, and from what I understand from other stuff that I watched, um, there was an extended scene with the larger alien
1: mm-hmm.
0: at the at the end, the larger thing. Um, a larger showdown that had more stop motion stuff in it and they just didn't feel like it really worked and so they just they cut back to what they had which was still pretty awesome so yeah yep cool the movie really trades on that paranoia that's in the book Mm -hmm. in fact Mm it's made even more realistic because one they really put it in the south pole two they don't have any way of getting Mm -hmm. out and they're worried about people trying to rescue them so they keep making their radio transmissions when they can yeah um and they're always trying to figure out, you know, is it you, or is it you, or is it you? Yeah. Right. And, and the audience is kind of kept guessing. I mean, I think we're inclined, Kurt Russell is kind of the, the lead, and you're inclined to think, well, he's got to
1: be human. Well, they call him McCready. Right. He's not bronze enough to be recognizable as McCready, but true. he has the right, right name. Yeah, definitely. That would um, have been a heck of a twist if he actually ended up being an alien. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> At the end, do we know? Uh, worth mentioning, um, mm. it does
0: leave some parts of the, of the story unadapted. It, yes. for instance, does not talk about anybody... It, they don't go and find the crash site and get the alien. Right. They, do, they no. do go to the ship. But that's only after this hybrid wolf comes running into the camp. And there's a Norwegian helicopter. Right. And they're shooting it's at the dog. Shooting at the dog. And kind of threatening people along the way. Because they're shooting at it, not really caring who is nearby.
1: Right. And right.
0: so he, he gets gunned down by sharpshooter Commander Gary... <laughs> Which seemed a little overkill, really. I mean, they they told him to stop, hey, right? but he right didn't speak in English.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, right through the eye, yeah. um, and that's how the alien gets in there. Right. Although, then they, then they realize, well, what the heck happened over at the Norwegian camp? And so they go and investigate, it. and that's when they find lots of carnage there, and right. they find a burned alien, and they go and visit the ship, the crash site, right? And I think in the nineteen eighty two film, they say it's like one hundred thousand years old. Yeah, is. I think it's
1: about 100,000. Yeah. yeah. It,
0: gets, it gets younger And it's as a you much, go. much larger <laughs> ship. Oh, I meant to mention in the previous movie, you know, they go out there into the, onto the ice and they stand in a circle around it and oh, go, I found man. one! Yeah. 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 Um, I read someplace that that scene that was, of course, supposed to be at the North Pole was like in the California desert. Yeah. <laughs> it was like 120 that day. So, I, because, I guess
1: sand and snow looks the same in black and white. Black and white, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what
0: else do I do? Oh. The um at the crash site, that's a big matte painting. Yeah. And just fantastic looking. Well and didn't they they, they took the shots first and mm-hmm. then they, they painted the mat to match the colors of white and shades yeah. at that spot, which I thought was, you know, mm-hmm. wonderful to learn about.
1: Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah, and th- that's just the thing with the with the effects. Other than like I said, that that stop motion stuff, which it's not really bad. It's not it doesn't stick out really horribly. But the rest of the effects are so good. Mm-hmm. And, and and even that stuff like the matte painting.
1: And the, the movie
0: just looks really good. It totally
1: holds up. Yeah, the title uh, kind of burned in. Yeah, were you there for that? And how they explained how they did that? Yeah, with the trash bag. With the trash bag. Yeah. yeah, that was pretty cool. That, yeah, and that was for the
0: 1982 film. They pretty much kind of mimicked the original title from the 1951. Hmm. That looked the same. Did the not plans. look the same really in the the, the remake, which we'll talk right. about. Yeah. Anything else okay. you want to talk about about 1982? Ready for trivia? Yes, this movie is viewed every at uh, the first night of winter every year at Edmonton Scott South Pole Station. Awesome! That, <laughs> that makes me want to go That's there. That's cool. Uh, John Carpenter <laughs> did not score this entire movie. He did contribute a few pieces. Right. And and mm. you know you may not know this, but he's actually a fairly good composer. Mm. Um, yeah, that, he did. He did the score for "They Live." Right? For "They Live," yeah. yeah. Mm. And um, there was a full sequel for this that Sci-Fi was going to produce, four-hour miniseries. It oh, was wow. killed off. For another project that Dang you it. may have heard about, Ronald Moore's Battlestar Galactica.
1: Okay. No kidding. Well, <laughs>
0: give it and take it
1: away. Yeah. So if, if you go and you search online,
0: uh, starting at the Wikipedia article, it will take you to the first page where they review it, <laughs> and then you can go to the second page where they tell you about all the other stuff. And it would have been a nice sequel. That's, that's cool. crazy. It would have been good stuff. Yeah. I liked... But well, BG tons.
1: is good stuff, too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Colin doesn't totally agree. Uh, um, fair enough. I will mention you yeah. you mentioned the score, which I thought was was kind of it wasn't a huge highlight, mm-hmm. but I liked that there were several um parts of the movie where there was no score whatsoever. And it it was kind of creepy.
1: The quietness. Stuff. Yeah.
0: But then there was some eerie music too that I, I thought was cool. Okay. Uh anything any other raves really? for the movie? No. Anything else you really liked about it? I thought the cast was great. The cast was great. I love the final the scene. Final scene is awesome. I like the yes. ambiguous ending. Yeah, I want to jog your memory, maybe mm-hmm. your memory too, because sure. I don't. You know, we, what I'm talking about came out before we started walking and running together. Uh, John Carpenter said his opinion about the ending of the movie. So, in the end of the movie, mm-hmm. there are only two people left. Right, they're both armed, and they're kind of sitting across from a campfire at one another. It's not there's not a no way for this the remains of the camp that they have just blown right up. yeah there's not a lot of hope of both or either of them surviving and yet each one is trying to stay alive because if that if the other guy right. is the alien you have to kill them before they get away mm-hmm. and so he opined on who he thought was the alien in the final scene hmm. do you remember that no I, I tried to find it and could not hmm. you had brought up a question that you wanted to put to us earlier right. about the story yeah this is from the novella And it's mentioned that they go to check on the other animals, the cows and the other dogs, and it's mentioned that they're not a problem anymore, implying that the thing has taken care of it. Um, And I couldn't tell if they had, like, had been things where they had been converted into cows and then they melted for some reason, or if the thing had, like, destroyed them all and just left, you know, gory remains. Right. Right. So, since I reread it more recently, I guess not much more recently, Hmm. From my recollection of it, what that meant was they had all been taken over, and then whoever went out there to check on them had had finished them off with the awesome pitchfork of electrocution. Okay. Right. So. I love the part where McCready ends up locked out, because somebody finds... They, they kind of theorize that when the transformations happen, the clothes are discarded, and so they find a ripped jacket that says McCready on it. Yeah. Which was either discarded when he was taken over or somebody else put out there as evidence to try and frame him. And so he kind of gets, somebody cuts his line, which is really dangerous when there's no visibility. Right. And so he (laughs) kind of gets lost out there and he ends up breaking back in. And there's that awesome scene where he's just freezing and he's got the flamethrower and the dynamite basically saying, look, (laughs) I'm not an alien and I'm going to blow this whole place up if you guys don't back off. And Childs, uh, Keith David says to him, you got to sleep sometime, McCready. There was a a happier ending filmed. Yes. Where MacReady gets away, and mm-hmm. they, 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 uh, it turned out. And I think that was the right thing to do. Oh, yeah, I think it totally was.
1: Yeah, because at the end there... Well, you, you think we're... the ambiguous ending was the right thing to do? Oh, yeah, Yeah, totally. yeah, 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 totally. That would have been kind of lame if it was well, a fairy tale happy ending and stuff. So the movie mostly
0: follows MacReady, right? And so we're with him most of the time, except that time he gets right. trapped outside. And so at the end, when we've got him, and he kind of thinks he's the lone survivor, and then Childs walks up, and that's kind of, okay. there's that suspicion, like...
1: Um, well that's kind of um I guess now that I think about it, it's almost what I was saying earlier, like wouldn't that be some crazy if it... McCready turned out to be the alien and right. and now John Carpenter's planting in your head that maybe he is.
0: Yeah. Well and they're looking across the fire at each other and you can right. tell both of them are thinking the other guy is the alien. Totally. Which would be interesting if they both are <laughs> and the alien mimics them so perfectly right? to mimic their <laughs> mental states. Which is something that's kinda of discussed in the novella. True. Uh, any other trivia or anything to talk about about the 1982 film? Uh, I will give it two thumbs up. Awesome movie. Good stuff. Yes. Uh, you know, very uh, very frightening for younger viewers, obviously. And I remember being scared of it earlier in my life. Um, it's definitely... really are quite gory. I would even say it's glorious. You could say that. Yes. and oh. And quite a bit of language, which I totally get. Okay? Okay. So... When I heard that there was going to be a remake of the movie back in 2011, I thought, well, I'm not seeing that because I remember the first one was scary, and I, I have no interest <laughs> in actually seeing it. And so I didn't, I didn't see it. And, James, you had never seen the 1982 film, right, nope. before we watched it? Nope. But you had seen the, the had seen original and the 2011, right? Right. Which is weird. Yeah, right. kind of odd. Yeah. yeah. Your, your education was incomplete. <laughs> um, Colin, had you seen any of them other than 1982? I remember, no. No, just 1982. I remember bits and pieces of it. Like I'd seen it on a TV show and you know, watched mm-hmm. little bits of it. So, as I mentioned earlier, the 1982 film took bits of the book, a lot of bits of the book, that, or the novella, that the previous film had left unadapted. Yes. And right. so an interesting thing about this 2011 film is that it kind of also does that. It goes back and picks up little pieces of it that the nineteen eighty
1: two film didn't explicitly mm-hmm. adapt. And picks up some pieces that night what you just said nineteen eighty two film?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, okay. Never mind. Was well, so sound like think in nineteen fifty And and film. then it
0: also runs with some of the stuff that nineteen eighty two film right introduced.
1: Yeah.
0: Um because when we were um, James and I were able to watch it together and Colin had to cancel on us and so we're like, hey, come on, watch the movie, watch the movie, you gotta watch it um, so that we can talk about it. And Colin emailed <laughs> back not canical. Yeah. It's not and, canonical. And so then I was arguing with you yesterday when we were removing trees from your lawn. <laughs> windy here. It's been windy. Yes. Um, that the 1982 film kind of grandfathered it in by introducing basically the entire plot line of the film. And then you went back and watched it. Yeah. Right. But, you know, that, that could have been like a eight minute versus an eight-minute <laughs> <laughs> featurette versus what we had. Right. So, yeah, we should mention that the 1982 film does not, get, like, they don't go to the crash site Originally, right. They don't take the alien out of the ice. The the alien comes to their camp, right, in the form of a dog, right. right. Which that was another thing I wanted to mention about that is that it's a hybrid wolf, and so it just does not behave much like a dog. Mm-hmm. And so, the the guy who's kind of the buddy of the dog, who was actually the dog handler guy
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, right. in the film, he said it was it's kind of a creepy dog because it just did not seem <laughs> doggish, Yeah, and and that totally comes out in in the film. It's creepy. Yeah, yeah, they
1: do. Yeah, we had yeah. one growing up. They don't. They're not very doggish. They don't, yeah. they don't do a lot of yapping or yeah. barking. At yeah, we had a, a neighbor they, dog
0: as a hybrid wolf. And yeah. they're, they're not as doggish as a normal dog, no. dog. They don't look at you like a friend. They look at you like a potential meal. Well, the one next door to me was friendly, but, yeah. but still not very doggy. <laughs> so there's a there's a hole movie, and it adapts the parts that, you know, we said had been left, which is, you know, the people finding the spacecraft, finding the alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, the events at the Norwegian camp.
1: The events at the Norwegian camp. Right.
0: Which, and it ends at the beginning of the 1982
1: film. But only as an afterthought.
0: Yeah, it's kind of post-credits, almost. Yeah, right.
1: So, Which I didn't have um, a problem with. But kind kind of. of, it is post-credits. They started rolling the credits, and yeah, they, they put oh, it yeah. in those scenes. So. Yeah, and there, there's But I mean, places... still, the story itself takes place, in timeline-wise, prior to the 1982 story. Yes, right. Well, and Therefore, the being things cool. they find at the Norwegian base.
0: There's the yeah. guy with his throat that's slit, there's the, you know... right pile of charred gory refuse there's everything else that's there yeah the two-faced monster that had been torched right yeah and the other general carnage at the camp yes Uh, evidence of some explosions and an axe buried in a wall um so again let's start with positives (laughs) if we can okay uh i think it would pass the bechdel test I, th- I would agree. It yes. has more than one female character. It did come up and as we're, they talked to each we're other watching it.
1: <laughs> they talk to each
0: other about something other than a man. Other than a man. They talk about the stars. Yes. For, um, very, for a very short period of time. Right. So. One of the expedients of the film, of course, is it's set in the Norwegian camp. And they used a lot of Norwegian actors, which is pretty cool. And I think it's a Norwegian or Icelandic director. He's got a name that would certainly fit. Yes. But they did have American characters in there as well. And English is spoken by most everybody. Right. And as James and I were watching it, I'm like, there's got to be somebody around here who just doesn't speak a word of English. And oh, then three was. minutes later, yeah. <laughs> no, no, Lars doesn't speak any English. Yeah. Ah, okay. Uh-huh. So I guess we know who's going to survive. Right. Um, <laughs> I, I thought the cast was good. I, I, I really enjoyed the performances. I, I thought everybody did a nice job. The female lead was Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah. I think originally when we had talked about doing yeah. this one, we thought it was Kate Beckinsale.
1: Yeah, I know for some reason. A, yeah. yeah it's confused. not
0: her, it's the gal from Sky High. Yeah. That's the only other place I know her from. Yeah. I guess Kate Beckinsale made some other Arctic polar movie at about the same time. Yeah. What was it, Whiteout or I can't remember. Yeah, I didn't of see that. It, so don't remember though. Yeah. Uh it's it's very thing like. I mean it has the same yeah. kind of special effects, it has the same kind of horror, it has the same kind of we don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it hits a lot of the same beats. Hits a lot of the same beats. Right. I like that, you know, the test that they come up with is completely unique. Yes. Compared to anything else out there. I yeah. really like that. Yeah, yeah. well the, the so when I said it hits a lot of the same beats, right? it shows them they go and get the alien, the alien breaks out, they they make you think that Mr. Echo is gonna be the brothers die first kind of guy, but he ends up not dying right then. Yes. Um right. And then they realize it's a shapeshifter and that everybody's a suspect. So they've got to figure out a way to test. And they think, well, we've got doctors here. We can do a blood test. And, of course, somebody sabotages right. the blood. Just that's the like part where it,
1: it, every yeah, they, watch, they watch the uh, host cells getting taken over by the Right. Actually,
0: yeah. The and I wanted to cells. mention, that was one thing in the 1982 film that did not work for me was the yeah, expositron um, oh, the, the, right. the computer, the little <laughs> simulation that looked like asteroids on an Atari <laughs> or a Commodore 64. Right. Yeah. And, and I thought, the, the program is spitting out data that is too sophisticated for a computer of that time. It's, I understand it's a sci-fi trope, the Expositron, right? Um, on the actual on TV right. tropes, the yeah. Expositron 9000. <laughs> and but I didn't like that, and and so one thing I liked was a nod to that in the 2011 film was them looking at under a microscope at essentially right. the same simulation, only it was real. Yeah, and that's when they realize the nature of this.
1: Did they creature. really formulate a rate though? I don't remember. No, no do N- not not in the 2011. One. No, right. that was done. That was done by. Uh... Wilfred Brimley. Yes. So
0: <laughs> when we had the original right. Expositron talk, I've, talked, oh, you know, yeah. I've written a lot of computer simulations. And yeah. you can either have the simulation spit out a number, which you can look at and know, but if you call your boss over, he'll say, what's 37? Right. <laughs> it's the answer <laughs> to life, universe, and everything. Yes. No, That's 42. 42. Yes. If it says, you know, I expect the rate of assimilation of the planet to be within three years or something like that, yeah. then you can show that to everybody. But it, it works well as the Expositron as mm-hmm. well. I would have rather had him... Typing a journal into the computer with the same information. Yes. That would have been another good way to do yeah. that. And, but but I like
1: the way the twenty eleven film handled or it. Or talking to the thing and having it recording you. Right. Yeah, even that. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean he wasn't doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: So yeah, as you mentioned, the the, the blood test is sabotaged mm-hmm. and and bad stuff happens. And so they, they go with a different test and, and the what's her name? Kate, Kate? She comes up with the idea that this thing and she notices the first thing they notice is that the first guy who gets kind of ingested and is starting to be mimicked. Yes, um, it can't mimic his titanium plate that was in his leg. Right, because he had a broken leg. Yeah, and so she comes up with the idea when she finds fillings, uh, bloody fillings, sometimes right. that that it imitated somebody right they were under the, the teeth, the, but couldn't. They were in the shower. Yeah, they couldn't imitate the fillings, and so that's what the test is, which I thought was a nice touch, and and I thought, well. You know, like I have, I have a filling in one tooth, but it's, it's the composite ones, yeah. porcelain fillings, porcelain yeah. fillings. Yeah, exactly. Like, wait. So I'm gonna. Need, I like the guy's line. So, so I'm gonna die because I floss, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, which was a nice touch. Yes. And yeah. So That's I liked, right. I liked the fact that they didn't just go beat for beat. It hits a lot of the same sort of markers, but kind of takes its own way. And so it's the good and the bad of the movie, right? It's sort of a remake, sort of a prequel. It's kind of a hybrid. I, mean, I wouldn't defin- agree that it's a remake. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll make this argument then. I, I look at it as kind of a hybrid between a remake and a prequel because nope, it no covers...
1: <laughs> Come Sorry. on, wait, shut wait. up, James. <laughs> I, I know you're hosting, but you got to stop interrupting. Um, <laughs> well, here, I'll tell you why it's not a remake. It's not a remake because they don't remake anything that happened in, in, the, in the film, in the first film.
0: Okay, will you agree... We're going to have to go basic here. Will you agree with me that uh, The Thing, 1982, is an adaptation of Who Goes There? Yes. Will you agree with me that the 2011 film is an adaptation of Who Goes There? Yes. So, in some sense, it's kind of a remake. No. It's a re adaptation. <laughs> re adaptation. Okay. If,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, it's really, really, I think the argument you could make is that the two movies combined I think the, are an adaptation.
1: The, yeah, I think the two movies together Because if you take the two movies together, they kind of, it almost encompasses everything that happens in the novella. From yeah. them going out and finding the alien, bringing home the ice cube. It introduces Icicle, the additional Alien elements sickle. Of the other... Bringing home man. the alien sickle. Right. Alien <laughs> sickle. Yes. And going through the whole thing that they went through in the story happens between those two movies. Okay. If you were to take those two together and combine them, you'd have like a complete adaptation. Okay. So
0: what I was Colin saying... Colin might
1: actually like it then.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> um So my point,
0: though, was about about it feeling like a remake. That's what I'll say. Uh, it wasn't okay. really a remake. It felt right. to me like... Partial prequel, partial remake, because it hit a lot of those same beats. Well, and for a, a good prequel, you want that to happen. If it was, yeah. if it was totally different, you'd be like, it would be more right. like Planet of the Apes. Yeah, and, and so, Dawn of the Planet of the Apes yes, and sure. Rise of the Planet of the Apes, mm-hmm. where yeah, I mean, it's it's ape-y, mm-hmm. Uh but and this is more like you know thing like so yeah, yeah. It, it should it should be in the same vein. And right. you know, I, I guess I appreciate that they gave the nod during the credits for you know, 45 seconds of scenes showing the helicopter flying off. Right. But then I was left really being lost, like saying, they said they didn't have a helicopter and the snow cats
1: wouldn't go far enough. Oh well, no, the helicopter, the helicopter came, came, I, in. came in. Came in. So the course? original helicopter that brought them in. No, 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 no. There was a second helicopter. There was a helicopter completely outside from the camp that came in at the end of that movie. Yes. That's the helicopter that they used to chase the dog down. Yes. But okay.
0: no one ever mentioned it up, mentions it up until the point that it shows up. It wasn't right. there. No, no, no point but no, nobody mentions, hey, by the way, you guys, let's just hold out to tomorrow morning. There's a helicopter coming in. When the other helicopter oh, comes, right? Okay. All of a sudden, you know, the, the, right. the first helicopter gets blown up. The snow cats won't go far enough. What are we going to do? Well, we're all screwed because we have no way of getting out. And we can't let anything else get out either, right. aside from this other helicopter,
1: which happens to show up because you need to stitch it together to the next movie. Right. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, they do yeah. never kind of explain what happens to Kate either. She disappears. I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually That's going right. to be
0: Prometheus-like. Right. There'll be a, a prequel sequel. It's a dangler, but but I'm all right with it because it fits with the 1982 film because there's no way she could have gotten right. from where she was to affect the events of the 1982 film in any way. No, that's true. Sure. And so she could be making for that Russian base if she knows where it is, but not make it there before anything else happens. Or she could die in the snowcap. Right. Yeah. So so I was I was all right with that. Um, did you guys catch the final reveal, or did you get it through narration? Which final reveal? I knew that you weren't. Yes. Did you catch what she caught? That he reached for the wrong ear? He had the earring in the wrong ear. Yeah,
1: he did in the wrong ear.
0: I did not notice. I didn't either. Oh. So he had the earring, but it was in the wrong ear? Yeah, it okay. was that same thing. Right? It's an inorganic, mm-hmm. but he picked up on the thing. It picked up on it enough to know that right, he and had it to learning. duplicate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure if you look at, um, I'm pretty sure the child's had an earring. In the seat, I could be in wrong. the original in the original. Yeah, so um, so this is one of the one of the criticisms I've heard of this movie. Not original, other movie. Right, other movie. Um, Thank you. That's true. Yeah, it's not the original. <laughs> uh, I'm not used to watching you argue with Seth. Is this how you feel when, when we argue all the time? No, that was just, he was just, of, just yeah. reminding so, okay. me that, uh, that, that I, I had misspoken, and he was correct. Okay, was just correct. I'm, yeah. I'm okay I'm with, at that. with being corrected when I'm actually wrong. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, when, when I can acknowledge that I'm wrong. Um, anyhow, one of the criticisms of the film that I've heard leveled at it is that the preacher behaves differently in the 2011 film. It's more aggressive. Um, and I'm not sure that's accurate. I mean, it, like, it never chased people around in, in the 1982 one. Right? If somebody was at hand, it would assimilate them. Right? But it didn't chase people through hallways in weird form. True. But you... I I can see it being arguable to say that it learned. Yes. yes. And that's exactly... Damn it, right. that's
1: what I was going to say. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. We were all going to say that. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so I'm, I'm yeah. totally... But okay. the
0: hand and foot missiles. Those were totally awesome. Those were cool. Now... It it definitely kind of moves more into the action side of things because it has those things that kind of look mm-hmm. like I don't know big slugs or crickets or roaches. Yeah, it ends up shooting off its lower joints right. from like the elbow down, mm-hmm. from the knee down, and they grow legs and they start running around chasing things. Mm-hmm. Other other humans. Yeah, and I liked when the one uh, attached to the guy's face, and I thought that's a nod back to when Blair kind of assimilated Gary in the. I, that's I thought thought by putting his hand up in yeah. his yeah. mouth <laughs> yeah. and also, also kind of reading his. Yeah. Oh, yeah, also, funny. kind of face yeah. yeah. Totally face maker. But John Carpenter doesn't say that John Cameron ripped off his movies. <laughs> <laughs> right. And yet, this movie... Uh, so, we've been talking about it, the positives. Mm-hmm. 30% fresh at Rotten Tomatoes. I didn't read why people didn't like it as huh. much. But it's not even in the ballpark with the other right. two movies. Yeah. Even the one that isn't a close adaptation. I think... So I, this is the problem with doing a, a, anything that can be considered right. a remake. Right? Yeah, I think people give it bad shape because of this remake nonsense. Just because it's a remake. Yeah. yeah. And I think... If they hadn't named it the thing, then maybe people give it more of a fair shake. Maybe they name it Who Goes There. Right.
1: Or maybe if they didn't ever call it a remake. <laughs>
0: right. This, yeah. I had a hard time buying the thing would jump out of the ice block. Well, we never really learn how it gets out of the ice. And you you get the impression it does it quietly in the story. Yes. And you, right. you we have no idea about it in the nineteen eighty two film because it happens off dog screen. It,
1: yeah, Kevin is a dog.
0: Yeah, but I, I was alright with that. I, I mean it was kind of clover feeling. But that's, that's what the alien reminded me of now Colin you have a problem with any of the alien design in any of the movies uh, well let's not say the 1951 <laughs> do you mean the fact that it doesn't have wavy blue tentacles and three and three red eyes red eyes <laughs> yes I do <laughs> so so let me let me pin you down on this now granted in the 1982 movie the original monster could not it, it comes in as a dog yeah. that I can buy but how long does it take to make a monster head <laughs> with three red eyes and wavy <laughs> blue tentacles okay so so you're saying that the, the shape-shifting alien needed to be a particular shape? One time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I thought it would have been cool if there was a nod to it someplace else in the film. If, yeah. If they had shown something with three eyes. Or if it had sprouted three eyes or something. Yeah. But like in know. the dark, right? You mm-hmm. see, like, pairs of dog eyes, and then all of a sudden, three red eyes. Yeah. That would have been... You hearing me, John Carpenter? <clears throat> Director's cut. Here's your chance, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, I think I think probably people aren't giving it a fair shake, mostly because it's considered a remake. And it's a remake of a pretty well regarded film. Yeah. Even though it right. tries to adapt things that weren't uh weren't released in the original movie. Right. Filling in the backstory. Mm-hmm. Precisely that's um, not a remake. Yeah. It's still got the nasty you know it's got the bad scientist. Yes, you know, I will tell you what to right. do. Mm-hmm. Don't argue about don't what was it? Don't uh disagree with me in front of the others. Oh right. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's kind of a jerk ass. But... Yeah. And just and he's the scientist that says, Oh yes, proceed with the you know yeah, let's drill right. a hole into the monster's mm-hmm. head. Yeah. And wake <laughs> it up. See now I thought that was <laughs> that was a nod to the bronze ice axe in the skull. That was nice, yes. So I don't think the drill bit was bronze. Probably not just bronze. Science. Do you want to talk about the uh, the things? The story real quick? So the things is posted on the Clark to World magazine website. It's by Peter Watts. Yeah. And it was actually Hugo-nominated. So, I will put a link to it in the show notes. It kind of takes up the story of the 1982 film from the alien's perspective and puts a friendlier spin on the alien. Not friendlier, <laughs> in that it's not willing to assimilate and kill people, but but that it it doesn't understand why we object to it, essentially.
1: So I just want to right. commune with you. Is not yes. that what you said? The phrase Yes. That, uh, oh, yeah, yes. That's right. that reminded me of Avengers Game, too. The, uh, yeah, a little
0: bit. The The, the idea that we couldn't speak, therefore we had to be nice. What was the name of the monster from Alan Dean's Boster's The Prism? The one that's the conglomeration of everything. And... I didn't read that book. I don't hey, remember yeah, the name I of it. To it. You. Sentence to Prism. No, 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 you broadcast. lent it to him. Alan Dean, I lent it to you in 2005. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You gave me a, a brown paper bag full of sci-fi novels, and I what? read a couple of them. <laughs> <laughs> I read Lightning. That was a good one. Dean Kuntz, yeah.
1: Hey, so we need another shout-out. Dean Kuntz,
0: we want you to adapt Lightning. We're willing to review the screenplay before you release it, there just to go. make sure nothing bad happens. See now, and I've I've thought that at some point, if we if we get big time enough or yeah, any time enough, yeah, <laughs> um, that we should do right. an episode sometime dedicated to books we wish were movies, that and, would be and, and kind awesome. of you know uh, fantasy cast them. So oh, that'd, that'd be interesting. Yeah. yeah, so we could all pick one, but that's somewhere in the future. We still have plenty of movies to, to go through, and since we're only doing one one a month, yeah, right. Uh, anything else to talk about? Okay, a problem I had with the 2011 film. Okay. Um, I wanted them to blow it up with thermite. It? The ship? The ship, yeah. Oh, yeah, because of the great big... They thought it was magnesium-based. They knew it was magnesium-based. Well, no, yeah. So they right. inadvisedly in in the story and in the 1951 film. Yes. They, 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 they're like, well, we can't get this thing out of here. And so... Let's blow it out with thermite to melt the ice, or something. <laughs> and I guess they never saw that uh, whale being exploded down in Florence, Oregon. That happened in the seventies. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But yeah, and and of course it destroys the ship. You know, like you idiots. Right? <laughs> <laughs> how, how about just call for a larger expedition to come and help? But um, then then we'd have a shorter story and movie. Well, um, and, and my DVD player didn't allow me to watch that part of the prequel movie. It prequel- never it never showed it. the ice melting. It was just implied that 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 venting that happened melted that hole kind of caldera there. Above it? Yeah. So what it, what happens to the ship in the end? Does it blow up or does it ex, it exists it, nope. No, then it's there for the 1982 film to find. With the hatch open?
1: Yeah. 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 And right.
0: so I didn't have so much of a problem that it ended up in the state that we needed it to for the 1982 film. I just... I didn't like that change. And I know I'm not normally a stickler for that kind of thing. But, That's my but, job, man. Well, the problem is, the 1982 film shows a video taken by the Norwegian team of them using thermite to blow it up. And I think it might actually be from the 1951 footage from the 1951 Oh, really? Film. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, I kind of wanted to see that, but it's a minor gripe. Another major gripe, though. I give them credit for the first alien that, that they torch, you know, after it takes the one guy.
1: They yeah. put that up,
0: up on the table, and it's really great practical effects, um, models and stuff, and, and everything looks really awesome. But then for the rest of the movie, it's a lot of CG that's not fully baked. Mm. So I don't know if you if you thought the CG was eh. It didn't bother me. didn't bother me? Okay. I, it's, yeah. it's hard to make you know melded faces look good in practical effects. Yeah. Right. But they didn't look real good in CG either. Of course, if they had gone with a less action action movie feature base, yes, then maybe yeah. they could have had more practical yeah. effects. So that may have been a misstep, and that, that's kind of the main the main thing about it that I didn't like is is a, some of those effects just look a little chintzy to me. Maybe that's one of the big. We should have read the Rotten Tomato reviews to see why people say,
1: mm.
0: "Oh yeah, thirty percent." Blah. I, there, there's probably a lot of people saying we didn't need this movie. We already have the nineteen eighty two film, and we didn't need the questions answered. But I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. With, with the sentiment or with the fact that they did it. You had mentioned earlier Planet of the Apes, you know, the Tim Burton remake and then their, their newer reboot kind of things. Right. Where you went for a remake, you went a completely different direction, and in one case it failed pretty bad. Uh, it, was, it was not a good movie. And in, then in the Rise series, those are good movies. It's just they're not very close to the actual material. Right. So you, you run a risk if you're going to make a completely original film based on the same thing that it could come out like Tim Burton's Planet Names. Right. Well, and prequels have famously been, you know, pretty badly received. Mm-hmm. You know, the Star Wars prequels. Shut up. <laughs> those, <laughs> those have been are not badly not received resist. by anybody but you, man. The Star Wars prequels? Are oh, Star Wars. Me? I'm sorry, I, Star thought you, Wars. I thought you said Star Trek. Oh, no, those no. aren't prequels, those are replacements and yeah. they really don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sorry. No, I'm, I'm going to be on the record here. The Star Wars prequels, yes, not good. Okay. And I, I know there must be other prequel movies that are, you know, like, Right, you're stapled down on one end. Prometheus, right? Not terribly well regarded, but, right. and part of it is that it's presented as a prequel and doesn't really deliver.
1: On but that.
0: and not originally, yeah. What, because of all the hype in it, right? It's Ridley Scott. He's doing an action movie in outer space. What is he going to do? Oh, you know, this person's involved. That person's involved. What are they going to do? Is it going to be? Is it going to be an alien sure. prequel? Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to bet that if they had never said that it was an alien prequel and you changed the shape of the monster at the end
1: no one would have cared. It still would have been a good movie. Um, well, I think on that that same sentiment goes for this movie, too. If they hadn't labeled it a reboot or a remake or whatever, maybe it would have done better. You you think it would have worked well as a pure prequel? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Better than you... it is, I suppose, or got received. Mm-hmm. Kind of a hype, you know. Yeah. Because so, I, I experienced I... the same thing with Star Wars, the prequels. I mm-hmm. When I saw the very first one in the theater... I was all stoked this is going to be an awesome Star Wars movie and then yeah. I wanted to shoot myself. <laughs> yeah.
0: And then the movie happened. I wanted to rip my eyes so, out. Uh, another prequel, uh, the Terminator, <laughs> Terminator Salvation. Prequel. We'll see what they do with the new Terminator Genesis. That's kind of a reboot thing, but yeah, oh. that one wasn't well regarded and part of that is, is stupid. But we're going to make a, we're going to shoot an R-rated movie and then the studio makes them kind of down to PG-13 and maybe it would have been better? I don't know. No, but yeah. the studio drama can't help a movie, I don't think. Uh... I think we're about done with that discussion. Okay. So we, we, we shall have to rank them. Would you like to go first? Oh, actually, you know what? This was James's choice, so I don't we let James go first. Oh, hey yeah. All
1: right. Well, for my number one slot, I'm going to slide in the novella. Really? Yeah. I think it of the of the four adaptations of this particular story, I think it did the best at maintaining that paranoia kind of tension moment. All right. And uh, for that reason, I. Vote It, number one. I'm going to go ahead and clump up 1982 film, the 2001 film, and the one film calling it number two, and then 1951 be number three.
0: Okay. Colin? Ditto. Really? Across the board. Woohoo. The novella is a great read. (laughs) I really enjoy it. It's got the tension. It's got the the, the horror and the, and the, the, the paranoia. That's not there in the 1951 movie. The 1951 movie yeah. is a good movie, That's true. but if I have to rank it, yeah. it's not even in the same ballpark as yeah. the movie. Right. And as and, and you agree movie. with James that the, that the two movies basically form one adaptation? <laughs> no, I, I would have to put this, the the prequel movie farther down. Okay, and then. Although people really liked it, I was not in love with the 1951 movie. The, the ending scene where they throw a backpack at it,
1: <laughs> or a pitchfork at it, to make it right, jump up on the electrified of walkway. Like, <laughs>
0: what? Hey, one well-placed backpack.
1: I, it was a pickaxe. It should have been full of thermite.
0: thermite. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. You can't blow it up. Yeah. They, they blew all the thermite, the thermite on the long up the ship. That's probably true. Um, okay, so I, I have had a really hard time figuring out how to rank. Because there's more than one philosophy, right? There's, there's. I'm going to rank these in order of, I'm going to put the book first, and then whatever adapts it best, second, third, fourth. Right? That's my strategy. I figured that's your strategy.
1: <laughs> I'm going to do it purely on enjoyment. Well, I have, okay. to, put, I have to say that was not my strategy. It just happened that way. Okay. Um, <laughs> I,
0: I love the 1982 film, so it's it's
1: it's my my clear number one. Okay, I, and then
0: after that, it it's almost almost a tie, really, between the rest of them, but. Even though I reread the novella and and enjoyed it more the second time, mm-hmm. I still am going to rank it last, and I'm going to wait. Be... Wait, you said it was a close to a three way tie for second. It is close to a three way tie for second. Okay. But 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 I think I I like the 2011 film a lot. I I ding it for the effects, but I enjoyed it a lot. I thought it was a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the 1951 as well. I I really like the movie. I don't think it's a good adaptation. I would of agree. The novella. With yeah. But I thought there were flaws in, in the novella that I couldn't overcome. The story was strong. And so I thought the, the story was strong, the execution was not as strong. Where in the 1951 film, the story was weak, but the execution was much better. So, although... I, I, I wouldn't I, even say the story was weak. It's just, it's a significantly different story. It, it's a pretty generic story. Yeah, um, I mean, it was a lot like it was yeah. sort of Jaws attack, the, the killer monster. asparagus sprouts, <laughs> right? Yes, <laughs> Captain Carrot in outer space. So that's that's my ranking: nineteen eighty two, two 1951 novella. So, but it's close on everything but the first one because I, I I thought right. the first movie was tremendous, and I thought it was a great adaptation of the book. Yeah. So there, there is one thing I love about the nineteen fifty one movie, and that's the final line. Watch the skies. Watch the skies. Yes. <laughs> I, I have I have that as a uh, perspective title. Watch these guys, <laughs> which is salient for nice. the, the nineteen eighty for the story. Right, you got to watch these guys. True. Sure. I, I, I think like I think we should go more musical. Less- Excuse me, want to kiss to these this guys. Guy? <laughs> no, no, uh, it's like. A... Are you thinking of uh, Weird Al? Ain't Al's? gonna
1: swing if you ain't got that thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were gonna gonna start uh, regaling us with Weird Al's slime creatures from outer space. No, no. no. So, you know I don't know that much Weird Al. <sighs> That is a shame. <laughs> so I think we're wrapped on that. So we will talk about what we're going to do next time. Do we know what
1: we're going to do next time?
0: Well, we'll get to that. In the meantime, though, I, I do want to say if anybody's out there and you would like to contribute to our discussion about this topic or about the one we're going to come up with for next time, uh, you can find us at com, And you can email us or find us. There's a contact us page there. And it has a form and the email address and all of the social media is there. So I'm not even going to mention right. what it is. Because it's there. But we like Mm -hmm. Facebook and Twitter. We do. Yeah. And we will put up a definitive post on Facebook, Twitter, slash the website about what we're going to do next time if we change our minds. Because we have already changed our minds once. Yeah. Um, If you were listening before, which you probably weren't, uh, the next item on the agenda, since it's my pick, it was going to be Invasion of Body Snatchers, which is a book and at least three movies. Yeah. Um, Maybe four, depending on if we wanted to do the 1993 film. Which we don't. Um, But recent events, um, Harlan Ellison had a stroke. Is he recovering? I haven't heard any news. I've heard he's recovering. I don't know how well he's recovering. I don't know what the side effects are. He's still alive. He's still alive and kicking. Yeah. So we thought we would try to do something. Do some kind of, yeah, a tribute kind of thing. Read one of his stories that would turn into a movie. And there's not a lot of them, as far as I can tell. He did a lot of writing for television. Yes. Um, One proposal I had was, let's just watch Sitting on the Edge of Forever and talk about that. (laughs) because <laughs> uh, it's a great Star Trek episode um, <laughs> I think we would need to look at the original script though and then compare it to the script that was and used you can find that yeah but uh, the, the one item that we have on the list on the, on the podcast queue page which again you can comment on if you want us to move something up the list mm-hmm. and you can let us know what you think of our selection here the one thing that we have on there from Harlan Nelson is a boy and his dog and so we can read that and watch the movie and talk about it next time for my selection and then we'll just we'll kick Body Snatchers down to my next selection
1: now, aren't you going to talk about your alternate?
0: My, so my alternate uh, thing that I, I, I was talking to James, <laughs> Colin wasn't able to run with us today. I was talking to James and I said, let's, let's do, we'll read I Have No Mouth and I'm a Scream from Harlan Ellison and then watch Soldier, the episode of <laughs> The Outer Limits, written by Harlan Ellison, and Demon with a Glass Hand, another episode of The Outer Limits, written by Harlan Ellison, which allegedly were inspirations for 1984's James Cameron film the Terminator. He just wants to watch The Terminator. I'm, I'm, I'm casting about for reasons <laughs> to watch The Terminator. <laughs> um, I cannot plausibly say that it was adapted from any of those things, yet there was a legal case that said such. Um, yes, right. And there's an acknowledgment at the end of the credits for The Terminator, acknowledgment to the works of Harlan Ellison, yep. which which even occurred in the terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles show. Really? At the end of the credits, every time. No,
1: I mean, technically speaking... And there was speaking, a character named if, Ellison. The lawsuit itself makes it that much more officially adapted than anything we've done. I thought what we should do is is we should approach this like law and order. We need to
0: investigate this. We need to investigate (laughs) this. Well, this will be episode 12. You could arguably say that we've we've looked at the adaptations of 12 different books and Mm -hmm. all the movies that follow them. Sure. Um, Well adapted, not well adapted, canonical, -canonical, non-canonical, good movies and bad movies. We might be in a unique position to do that. Well, since uh, we decide what we do, we definitely are.
1: Yes. Correct. But whether we have
0: credibility or not is another question. Let, let's see if we get anybody uh, weighing in on this. Uh, it's going to be tricky next month. This will be an episode for November that we're talking about. Right. Um, right. This one I'm going to try and put up right on Halloween. Happy Halloween, everybody. Be safe out there. And in November, James is going to be traveling quite a bit. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. A couple, um, two, three weeks, right? Yeah, close to three weeks. Jerk. Santa. so it would be nice definitely because Colin you were saying when I when I introduced this idea downstairs a little while ago you said well if we do that then I want to watch Soldier the Kurt Russell movie um, and see if that's also an adaptation which you already have an opinion on but cool I don't know because I haven't seen it yeah. well you've seen it so I'm the only yeah. one that hasn't um, it would be probably best to try and confine ourselves to watching one movie although we we've all already seen The Terminator. and not like we need to right. rewatch it but oh, yeah we do yeah we totally together, do. I think so yeah um Totally. Yeah, but then if we were going to watch the Outer Limits episodes, too, it would be fun to watch those together. So that's combined. It's like watching two movies, which might be right. tough to do. Unless we do it this week. Well, given the rarity of some of the stuff that we're talking about, mm-hmm. right, uh, it took us a while to find a story for a boy and his dog. And we finally did by going through the Internet Speculative Fantasy Database, IFSDB. hmm yeah. ISFDG. Yeah. Yes. ISFDB. And uh, found a book, found that our library system has two copies. hmm But I don't know if we can watch it. Yeah, I don't know about the movie. Right? I I know it's on YouTube, hmm, which is kind of surprising. Um, And and there's probably Amazon or somebody has it.
1: Yeah. Um, Maybe we should look at it via availability rather than... uh, Yeah. Well, as I said... Maybe we we should look at it by, hey, vote. See what happens.
0: Yeah. You tell (laughs) us.
1: The three of us vote or... or, No, 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 no. They. Oh. Who are not us. But Emily's not home yet. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, we, we've had we've had kind of one guy
0: uh, interacting with us on Facebook. I don't recall his name, Matthew. Matthew, yes. Um, so Matthew, if you're out there, you can you can cast. Oh boy, it wouldn't be a tying vote because the three of us. Um, <laughs> True. Th- you point. know, we'll take any votes we can get. So what do you think? Should we do a boy and his dog, or should we do our Terminator idea? I think between James's wife and your sisters and your brothers-in-laws. We could come up with a reasonably small sample size that is not even. <laughs> True. <laughs> uh,
1: we have, good point.
0: And so we will table this for now. We'll put it on the website. I will put a poll up there and uh, see if anybody. Sounds good. I like it. Doesn't mean yeah, But we need answers soon. Yeah, we do because we need to get started. I've already started reading a boy and his dog, but it's a short story. It's not It's not difficult. Right. Yeah. That is what we're going to do. We're going to do something Harlan Elson in November. Hopefully, hopefully we get it posted in November. We'll, we'll see based on James's right. schedule and willingness to have us over to his house. (laughs) Anything else to talk about? Thoughts? Rants? Nine. No? We're done? Negative. Okay, I think we are wrapped here. So, for James and Colin, I'm Seth. We are the Pavement Pounders, and we thank you for listening to Take Me to Your Reader, and we hope that you will join us next time discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. Until then, we will sign off with the Pavement Pounders blessing. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the book always fall open to where you left off. Bye. I think you're right. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Colin is correct. I'll, I'll cut you an mp3 of that and send it to you. What? Hey. Why? Are you ring yeah. buddy? <laughs> <laughs> you're wiser than I. You must understand what I'm trying to tell you. Way to be a stickler, James. <laughs> <laughs> Trust a tough thing to come by these days. It's non-canan... non-can... non-can- uh. well,
1: what do we do? Why don't we just... Wait here for a little while, see what happens.